over and above, more than enough, profuse, extraordinary, above the ordinary, more than sufficient. God has come to give you more than sufficiency, more than enough. That's what Jesus' blessing is. I have given you life and given you life more abundantly. So that's pretty cool anyway, ain't it? Ain't it? Ain't it? I know that ain't the right word to say, but um, this church has been given a word, and the word is abundance. It's been given by prophetically. But I, I'm going to go back to an old standby that I know and how to get us into that place. And that is, and I've used this all the time, and you guys have heard it before, but we must, I'm giving you four principles today. Know the truth, which is to know God. Think on the truth, which is to put your mind in the right place. Speak the truth or speak the word of God. And then to do what the word of God says. When we take those four principles and do them, we're going to walk in this abundance that he has for us. Amen? So let me just go through that quickly. Um, knowing God or knowing the truth. I'm going to read a couple scriptures here. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 14 says, A wise person is hungry for knowledge. But the fool feeds on trash. You know, it's sad today, but political correctness is actually trumping truth in this nation. I don't get it. I really don't get it. But people would rather be politically correct and believe a lie than to walk in the truth. Matter of fact, there's so many weird things out there. It says in Galatians that if anyone brings another gospel than what we've brought, any other salvation message that actually means, then what we've brought, let him be accursed. Some versions say, let them be condemned eternally. And then Paul says it again. That's in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. If anyone brings any other gospel, let him be accursed. He says it twice. And there's another gospels that are out there. Universal salvation is one of them. It's sad, but people are actually believing that everyone's going to go to heaven. You can live any life you want. That Jesus came and died. Now everyone goes to heaven. Live your life the way you want, any way you can. Extend, extend. Instead of going, excuse me, instead of going the way the Bible says, they believe that true. Here's another one. Tithes and offerings aren't for the day. I've seen this little internet thing, and there's people on the internet, tithes and offerings aren't for today. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It's in the Bible. You have to change the Bible to believe that it's not for today. So people change the Bible to fit their doctrines, and then they don't walk in the truth because they want to walk in a certain way, and they'll make up anything they want to and then try to fit Scripture to it. The word of God is true, and knowing God is true. And if you're walking in an untruth and you're tossed to and fro in every wind of doctrine, it's because you don't believe the truth. you got to know God intimately. you got to be a Berean. you got to search out the scriptures. So knowing the truth is very important for the brothers and sisters in Christ if you're going to walk in the superabundance. If you want to walk in what man's knowledge is or what man's interpretation of the Bible is, you can go on the Internet and find anything you want. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added to you. The abundance included. Amen? 1 Corinthians 2.2 says it this way. Paul's saying, here it is. This is what your whole life story should be. He sums it up in a few words. 1 Corinthians 2.2 For I have determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He's determined in his life to know one thing, 
Jesus Christ and what the crucifixion meant. If we could just get back to that type of knowing God and knowing, seeking after truth, we would walk as a church body in that type of superabundance. Mm. Jesus said it this way, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. So it's, again, remaining faithful to his teachings. And then he says, You will know the truth. And it's the truth that will set you free. So if you want to be set free in the truth, you, there's something you've got to do. You've got to know him. You've got to know his teachings and be faithful to them. So one, the first thing is knowing God. Instead of um, asking all the time, too, it's a dialogue. Listen. Listen to what God's saying. Get into his presence. Intimacy with God is the most important thing for any of your lives. You are saved for relationship with God. And each and every one of you should have a relationship with God. You should know him. Matter of fact, um, let me tell you another story. Uh, a guy was talking to God. And he was just going back and forth with God. And he says, God, how long in your eyes is a million years? And God answered him and said, about one second. The guy said, okay, God, well, in your eyes, how much is like a million dollars? And he said, well, like one cent. So the guy said, Father, can I have one cent? God says, yeah, in a second. We need to hear from God and know and understand God. God is eternal. God is bigger than anything on this world. Matter of fact, it says the natural things we shouldn't be listening to, but it's the spiritual things. And um, that is so important, so important. So who's your best friend? I want to ask you that. Who is your best friend? Is God your best friend? Knowing God is that important. He should be your best friend. And if you're married, your spouse better be your second best friend. And then others. We were just uh, teaching a class back there, going through a class, and it showed the picture of the early church, how they come together daily and how they fellowshiped and how they had things in common, how they loved each other, how they had these celebration love feasts all the time. And they pictured the church as a community where people were in relation, a loving relation with each other. And they were connected. It wasn't about the 15 or 20% doing all the work of the ministry, but the whole church was involved. And they sold all they had. By the way, you want to go with tithes and offerings. People say, well, it's not as much in the New Testament. Here's the New Testament model. They sold everything they had and had it in common. Nobody had a need. But that's my job. That's my money. God gave me that. That's between me and God. God gave you that to be blessed so that you can be a blessing to others. Everything you have is a blessing from God. And if you don't hold it loosely in your hand, that turns into selfishness. So knowing God is important, number one. Number two, thinking about God or thinking right. The battles in the mind, I know that the ladies have been going through the battlefield of the mind, and then they went through your spectacular mind or going through that in their classes. The battle really is in your mind. And... Matter of fact, I was going to, Jason's here today, I was going to, before I give him the mic and ask for a testimony, it's so much in your mind that, listen to the, after I give him the mic, but there was a guy at a baseball stadium. <clears throat> he went up to the concession stand, and he drank some soft drinks from the concession stand. He felt himself getting really sick. So then the 
people at the concession stand made an announcement to all the people, which they shouldn't have done. The man may have been poisoned at the concession stand. He's being rushed to the hospital. All of a sudden, everybody in the stadium that went to the concession stand, nearly everyone, is starting to get sick. They're starting to go, oh, no, what's wrong with me? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, thousands actually, got rushed to the hospitals. The hospitals are inundated with all these people. Well, the guy gets checked out, the original guy. Turns out he had gas. But he had thought it was, uh, come on, he thought in his mind something, which then triggered other people to think in their mind something, and those symptoms began to get on them. The scripture says that we can drink anything deadly, and it wouldn't, won't hurt us as Christians. I want to share, have Jason share something with you. First off, I just want to say, Pastor Neil asked me to give this testimony on Thursday, about an hour after he did. Um, I started becoming under attack. And I don't know if anybody here gets under attack, but this was this was harsh. Uh, Satan didn't want me to give a testimony, and I got to apologize to my wife and my kids because I was I was in bad shape. But when I was about two years old. I had drank some gasoline, and I don't know how deadly gasoline is because I was only two. My parents lived down the road a mile or two, and when I drank the gas, I guess I turned all different colors, went completely limp in my dad's arms, quit breathing. And they didn't figure they'd get me to the hospital in time, so they brought me here to Cornerstone. And I guess a bunch of people prayed for me, and I... I re like that, I, I sat up and I, I just told them I was hungry. And I was like, you know, just little, two, three years old. Well, all these years, I've had people come up to me and, and tell me, I prayed for you. And I'd be like, uh, how do you know me? I got a beard. <laughs> but somehow these people recognized me. A lot of them are past and gone now. And I just kind of felt weird because people were putting, like, they were saying, like, I was special because I, God saved my life. He spared my life. So I thought, yeah. Well, it just, I was just a baby, so I didn't know, you know, it was just what people had told me. Well, as I got older, in my 30s, I had a, a young man that actually um, ingested a bunch of poisons and... Uh, when I went to see him in the hospital, the doctor was telling the parents that he's, he's got less than 3% chance of living. And if he does, he's going to be brain dead. That he took in so much of his, this poison that and he was cooked. And I, and I witnessed the parents hearing this, and it broke my heart. And I said some weird things like, hey, can I go see him? You know, and I felt crazy. And I went and seen him, and I prayed, and I felt weird, and somebody's like, did you see that? He responded. And I, I just got out of there, man. I was like, this is, I felt so weird and, and just so full of something, but I wasn't, I'd been away from the church and God for a while and was trying to do it all on my own. And uh, the kids started to recover before I got back from the Voss Children's Center, which ain't very far from here, really. I was about halfway home when my wife called me and said that his heart was beating on its own, his his livers and everything was working. You know, everything that the doctor said was cooked. This boy was healed. <laughs> and uh, he had no brain damage. 
he he works for Pepsi Cola Company now. Um, it, it, God is great, and but the thing of it is, is when you you gotta you gotta put yourself into God. You gotta want. You gotta you gotta trust and believe, and you you gotta you gotta get through it. You gotta pray until it's until it's time. You know, I don't know how long it takes. Some people you can that quick in their they're, here it took 20 minutes for my back to be healed. And I, and I ain't had surgery. I blew, it, it blew the doctor's minds, the surgeons. I was scheduled for surgery. But God healed me right here at Cornerstone. And uh, I just, I love to tell all these stories of, of, of what I witnessed. Even when I wasn't with the church, when I was trying to do life on my own. It, it's amazing how God intervened at times and, and it showed me hey man i'm still here buddy you know and now i i can't let go i cannot let go i i feel his presence in a way that god's awesome and and he can heal you from anything i've seen it I mean, I've... amen come on the Word of God says that we will drink any deadly thing and it won't hurt us, that we will pray for the sick and they will recover. Now, which one are you going to think on? You want to be like thinking on the things of the world, like that guy at the concession stand and all that believed that they got sick? Or do you put your mind in the mode of thinking on what the Word of God says and actually letting that fill your mind? Because it says to take every thought captive and into the obedience of Christ. It even says in the Scripture, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I'm telling you, what you think, you become. What you think, you become. Well, I'm not no good for the kingdom. I, you don't know what happened to me. Oh, woe is me. The more you whine and complain about yourself, the more you become that. The more you think like Christ, the more you become that. Your mind is the battlefield. I can't say it enough. And I don't care if I offend some of you. Quit stinking thinking. You know, your, your mind is going to... Control what's going to happen to you tomorrow. Allow the mind of Christ to fill you because every one of us have been given the mind of Christ and given the Holy Spirit. And God loves you and loves you so much that he's allowed you to have that type of mentality, a mind that can think on him and create things. Amen? It is so good. So good. So Romans 12, 2, let me read that. Don't copy the behavior or the customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. God wants to transform your mind if you let him. He's giving you his spirit to do that. Then you will learn how what God's will is for you. You want to know what God's will is for you? Let him transform your mind. He'll show you. Which, and I'm reading the last part of the verse, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Ephesians 4.23 um, says, let the Spirit renew your thoughts. It says, actually, 4.23 and 24, it says, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Let the Holy Spirit do that. Put on a new nature created like God, truly righteous and holy. Think right. Know God. And as you know God and know his word, begin to think. Think. Allow your mind to think right. Amen. Let me just, again, give you the Hebrew word for think. It paints a picture. The word is so deep. It paints a picture of somebody letting something go through a gateway. It's like you control this gateway, and whatever you open the gateway is going to flood into you. So when you take every thought captive, no, wrong thought. I'm going to put that 
into the obedience of Christ. Oh, there's the word of God coming in. Gateway open. Mind open. Your mind is like that. You control the gateway by right thinking. And take every thought captive. When you get into that negativity and that nasty, weird thinking, stop it. Stop. Gate's closed. It's not going in. Because the more you open that gate, the more you become that. The coolest thing is, is that Dr. Carolyn Leaf, uh, Christian, um, has done a lot of intensive study on the mind and says that if you begin to close the gate properly, even no matter how bad your mind is, that it takes a while, but eventually that mind is going to be renewed. Why? Because the Word of God says it too, that he will renew your mind. Close your mind's gate to the junk. Open your mind's gate to what is true and honest. Those things that happened to Jason, that's natural Normal Christianity. And the reason why we're not seeing it a whole lot in the churches today because we've opened the gate of our mind to the junk of this world. Close it and allow true Christianity to be built in you. And you will become what you think. Do you want to be blessed? Psalm 1 talks about the blessed man. Let me read Psalm 1, just a couple of verses. This is how you're blessed. Now listen to this. This is the word of God talking to you today. Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Doesn't open up his thinking to that stuff. So you don't open yourself up to the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of the sinner, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Now listen, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. What is he doing? His mind gate is set up to only let in the things of God. That's how you get blessed. That's how we walk in this abundance that's been prophesied over the church. Amen. You know, I really think, and I'm just trying to warn you, you know, I really think the end for many of us is sooner than we think. We only have so many times to go around the sun on this planet. Some of you, it could be within months or years. Some of us, it could be 20 or 30. I believe mine is like 50 or 60 years, but... Some of you is maybe, no, I'm just teasing. I, I don't have, but we only got so much time, finite time on this earth. So let me tell you another story. Um, again, the end is closer than we think. An evangelist and a pastor are standing by the road, side of the road, holding up these signs, each one. The end is near. Turn around now before it's too late. A passing driver yells at him. You guys are nuts. Speeds right past him. Goes around the curve. Screeching tires, big splash, car goes in the water. The evangelist turns to the pastor and says, you know, maybe we just should have told him the bridge was out on the other side of the curb. The, the end is near, stop. Anyway. We also need to... <laughs> the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's good to let you laugh a little bit. We need to speak the word. That's the third thing, speak the word. Let me read these scriptures to you. And again, this is Jesus saying this. So listen, this is, these are Jesus' words, not mine, but listen to the, what he says in Matthew 12, 36 and 37. But I say to you that for every idle word men speak, every idle word that men speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. I'll just stop there for a moment let that soak in. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. 
That's Jesus saying that to us. Every idle word. Some people have diarrhea of the mouth. Excuse me, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. Their just mouth is always running off and it's saying nothing. And excuse me, I didn't mean to say it that way, but we need to speak the word of God and speak like God speaks. If we want abundance and live in this place of abundance, we need to speak how God speaks. And so to do that, you must know the word of God. You must have your thinking right and begin to speak the word of God. Here's another thing in the scriptures. Again, I'll, let me read it word for word to you. It's about death and life, and it's in Proverbs 18. It says, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. So your stomach's going to be satisfied by what comes out of your mouth. From the, produce of his, from the produce of his lips he shall be filled. So whatever you speak out of your mouth, spiritually you're going to be filled with. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. God has given us so much power. How did God create the earth? God spoke it into existence. Our words are very powerful as Christians. We are filled with the Holy Spirit when we speak. There's very, it's very powerful. What you again think and speak, you become. Be careful what you speak over people. Don't put curses on people. Be careful how you talk. And I know you're going to walk out of here and then go back to the way you, you have always talked, some of you, and some of you may get this. But what you say, you're going to be judged for. And what you say, you're going to give an account for. And how you speak, you set your future, and you set other people's future up. This church's future and the abundance that was spoken over this church is set up by how we accept it and how we speak about it. You can either say, ah, you know, that was so nice. What a good prophetic word. And then you go off and do your own thing. Or I'm going to believe that God gave that prophetic word and I'm going to walk in it. And I'm going to speak it out. And I'm going to set up my life to walk in that spiritual abundance so that I can touch others for the kingdom of God, so that I can bring souls into the kingdom, so I can fulfill the great commission that I've been left here for. Amen? Speak the right things. Mm. By the way, how does faith come? Faith comes by what? So someone's got to be speaking it for you to hear it, right? Faith actually comes by hearing the spoken word. Interesting. Our faith grows by what we hear, what is spoken. Mm. Man. Sometimes we speak even in prayer, the wrong way. So we've got to be careful, even in our prayers, how we speak. Again, I'll tell you a story. A pastor was hunting, and he was hunting grizzly bear, and he's looking all day, can't find any grizzly bear. He finally is tired. He puts his gun by the tree, walks over to the, the brook over there, and he starts to drink water. All of a sudden, here comes a giant grizzly bear right at him. His gun's way over there. He said, oh, God, please make it a Christian bear, please. The bear all of a sudden throws up his hands and says, thank you, God, for this meal I'm about to eat. <laughs> you know, the, the, the prayer of the pastor should have been something a little different because the pastor got what he prayed for. Sometimes we get what we pray for, so set up your prayers properly. Amen? Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Um, in the book of um, 
Numbers, you see this picture of these 12 spies going into the, the promised land, the land of Canaan, the land of milk and honey. All these promises of God are given to the Canaan land. It's a land of milk and honey, giant fruit, all this stuff. God says all this stuff. Everywhere where your foot treads is going to be your property over there. Just go take it. And 10 of the spies come back and they say, man, there's giants in the land and we are grasshoppers in their sight. And to me, that is grasshopper talk. We have filled our lives sometimes with grasshopper talk because we look and what we see in the physical doesn't match up with what God is saying in the spiritual. But the spiritual is more real than the physical. And what our eyes see doesn't matter. It's what God says that matters. And so grasshopper talk has overtaken the church. Oh, we can't do that. Oh, we're just grasshoppers. We're just a little church in the country. We can't do those things. And what it says in the scripture, with God you can do all things. Nothing's impossible with, with God, right? Nothing's impossible for them who believe. Now, who's telling the truth? God or what we see with our eyes? Of course it's God. But we believe our eyes. We believe the physical and the natural more than we believe the spiritual. So again, speaking the right things. Speak the word of God. Speak the word of God over and over. Train yourself. Teach yourself. Speak the word of God. Know the truth. Think the truth. Speak the truth. And the last one I want to share with you is do. But the word of God says, just do it. I mean, there's a book. I mean, we've been reading the book, Immediate Obedience. But I mean, it's simple. If God says it, and it's a promise of his, just do it. Don't make a big theology statement about it and work it all out and spend months trying to study it. If it says to do that, do it. Immediate obedience is, is, is I like that book. It's, it's good, but we don't do it enough. So let me give you some scriptures on obedience. Proverbs 3.33 says, But godly lovers walk under the stream of his blessing. And it says, why? For they seek to do what is right. You want to be a godly lover that walks under the abundance, the streams of his blessing? Do what's right. Just do it. Don't make a big theology state. Just do it. Proverbs 4.4 4 says, never forget my words. If you do everything that I teach you, you will reign in life. Again, it's a matter of doing the word of God. James says it this way in James chapter 1, verse 22. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. Hear it, do it. Simple. Just do it. Now Jesus says this to us. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Again, Jesus, what is he saying? Obey. Do it. If I tell you something, just do it. We got in the, we're in a society now that you're not the boss of me. You don't tell me what to do. You know, come on. A lot of people are like that. And God is saying, look, I got your best interest at heart. I brought you into my family. I even died for you. And if you just do what I am showing you here, you're going to walk in abundant life. You're going to be blessed.
And people still don't do it. They treat church like it's something they got to do on Sunday and then go live their life a different way through the rest of the week. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> Matthew 4, 4, Jesus was answering the uh, devil. The devil's coming against Jesus. Matter of fact, before I even go there, I'll, oh boy, I'll tell another story. All of a sudden, the devil, boom, flies open the doors and appears in church right in front of everybody. The church is clearing out. People are frightened. This one lady stands up and just starts, get out of here. And the devil says, why are you not afraid of me? Everybody else does. And she says, well, I've been married to your brother for 30 years. Sometimes, <laughs> I had to do that one. I, that wasn't, anyway. Jesus said it this way when he was standing up against the devil. He says, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We are not to live by the fleshly bread alone, but we are to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The word of God is what we live by. Amen? That's good. And we're either going to sow seeds of obedience or we're going to sow seeds of disobedience. All right, one more. Two little boys... Or like little troublemakers in church. They are always in trouble. Disobedient boys. Well, the one boy was sick that Sunday. So the other boy thought, well, I'll have to be twice as bad. So he's running all over, screaming. He's running all over the church. The pastor grabs him by the arm. And he says, do you know where God is? And the boy looks at him and kind of like is puzzled. No. I, the pastor says, I want you to go home and think about that. And next Sunday, I want you to tell me where God is. So the boy is puzzled. He doesn't know what to do. So he hurries up and gets home. He calls his buddy up. And he says, well, now it's really gotten bad. They lost God at church, and they're even blaming that on us. Sometimes we can walk in obedience, and sometimes we can walk in disobedience. It's good to laugh. Joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Mm. Well, again, know the truth. Know it. And when you know it, become intimate with him. He wants to give you abundance. He wants to give you life more abundantly. Think. You control the gate of your mind and what goes in and out of it. God's saying that you have the ability to take thoughts captive. You really do. I know that some people just feel like they're inundated with thoughts, and you are. It says sometimes as many as 30,000 thoughts in a minute can actually go through your mind gate if it's just wide open. But if you control it, it says meditate on the word day and night. Think about the word. Allow the word of God. If you're getting a little bit frustrated with your day or a little bit of worry through your day, just go back to the word of God. Well, I don't know that much word of God. Well, that goes back to number one, know God. To know God is to know his word. Spend time. Why do you think, you know, I always talk about read through the Bible in a year or do this or have meditation and reading through the Bible, the journal, to do all those things. Do you think I just tell you that just because I want to? It's so important to know God because then you can think on God. And when you think on God and think on his word, you control what comes into your mind. And when you control what comes into your mind and you're allowing the word of God to flow through you, you become the one who can... Say to the mountain, be moved in the name of Jesus. 
lay hands on people in faith and believe it because you believe it. You're not going to be like the guy at the concession stand. But if you drink poison, it's not going to hurt you, the scripture says. Why? Because you believe God's word. God's word says it. If Jason's parents wouldn't have brought him here and the people wouldn't have believed that, he might not have been here today to talk about this testimony. Think on the word. Speak the word of God. Let your mind and your mouth speak the same thing. For out of the treasures of your heart, it says, your mouth will speak. We need to maybe make new treasures, some of us. And then the last thing, always do what God says, and you will walk in abundance. If I could have the worship team come back up, and we're going to close. So if I can have the we got one more song, so I don't want anybody to leave. I'm going to have the worship team um, have one more worship song, and I want us to worship. But I also want you to think on these things. I know I kind of told a lot of stories and got you laughing a little bit, but Really, this is serious. There's, a, there's an abundance that God wants to give to this body of believers and you individually. But it's going to take us stepping out and receiving it. Know the truth. Think on the truth. Speak the truth. And do it. Just do it. This is not rocket science. It's pretty simple. If God says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover, that's what God means. Well, it's not happening with me. It doesn't matter if it happens a hundred, you pray a hundred times and it doesn't happen, or if you pray a thousand times it doesn't happen. You just keep on praying. Your part is, is you lay hands on the sick. God's part is, is he's going to have them recover. Eventually what happens, I had a guy that I know that is like really prophetic. He could actually look at Dennis and say, your name is Dennis. But it took him years of just laying hands on people and saying, your name is, and he'd get it wrong all the time. Thousands of people he'd lay hands on. Your name is Fred. Your name is... And then he just kept doing it and believing it and doing it and believing it and speaking it and thinking it. He can go up to now and say, Wayne. And then he has such a prophetic insight into people's lives because he trained himself to think and to speak and to believe. Is Dennis Kramer. Matter of fact, Dennis Kramer prophesied over Deborah and I one time. And it was so rich and so deep, and we've gotten kind of haven't forgotten those prophecies. And that was when we were very young in the Lord. Those prophecies carried us on through our hard times and through the times when we thought, what is going on in our life? But the Word of God was prophesied over us by a prophet of God. And we believe the Word of God, and we believe the prophet of God. We've got prophetic word that's been told over this church. Amen? And it's called abundance. That means each of you have been given a prophetic word to walk in the abundance of Jesus Christ. Come on, let's all stand.